0: When you think about undocumented workers and undocumented children in particular, do you think about the situation in Canada? Or do you automatically think, oh, well, I mean, that's a problem that they deal with in the United States? thing is, it's also a situation that we deal with right here. In fact, there are estimated to be tens of thousands of undocumented children here in Canada, and there is no real pathway for them to become legal. So let's talk about this issue with the help of our next guest. Sarah Paul is the director of the Childhood Arrivals Program and Advocacy Program at Justice for Youth and Children. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. How big of a problem is this here in Canada?
1: You know, some some of the issues we don't know. There's estimates of how many people are living in Canada without status, and we know that some of those people are children. Um, but because there isn't a pathway for these young people to access specifically to regularise their status, it's it's hard to get a count. I think um, you know it's a, it's a really important issue for those young people. I don't think it's an enormous issue compared to the other issues when we think about immigration.
0: How different is the situation for undocumented children in Canada versus, say, the United States? Because we hear a lot about this in the United States.
1: Yeah, we do. We um, And I think lots of your listeners will be familiar with words like the DACA program or the DREAM program in right. the United States, which are specific provisions that allow young people who came to the States as kids to, to not be removed. Um, while they are hopefully regularizing their status permanently. um, We we don't have that system in Canada. um, And we don't even have a national dialogue about these kids, uh, which is really how you introduce this program. So, um, you know, obviously the state has got a much bigger population and they're talking about it. And they have specific provisions, um, which is the big difference for us here.
0: So if children are brought here with adults uh, and are undocumented, what rights do they have?
1: Yeah, good question. And to give you some context, uh, the young people that we see um, have usually been brought here with uh, parents or maybe been sent here. But the background and the experiences of how they got here and how they ended up being without status is really broad. Um, But in terms of commonalities, the group we're talking about, um, some commonalities are that they did come as kids. So they're members of our societies now. um, They're already here. Uh, And it's because they came as children, you know, they didn't have any agency in the decision to come, usually. Um, And for most of our clients, they've had the majority of their lives here. So they've gone to school here. They see themselves and understand themselves as Canadian. Uh, And they also, as a group, face really significant barriers and marginalization. Um, And, you know, teenagers and young adults, now they're trying to fix the situation, right? They're trying to regularize their status because they see the barriers that they face. And all of the young people we work with need assistance navigating the complexities of immigration. Our system's complicated. Um, And some of the barriers we see them facing um, are really fundamental. Um, For example, accessing school, so grade and high school. Uh, I know the situation in Ontario best, and, and here our Education Act says all children should be able to go to school regardless of status, But we see time and time again families facing significant barriers registering their children in schools. We've had children being out of schools for one or two or three years. Um, We have families being asked to pay international fees when they are actually exempt by law. And being in school does lots of things, right? It lets people um, learn, obviously, but form connections and learn social skills and all those really important things we need um, to grow up to be community members. The other thing our clients face is um, that they're not usually uh, eligible for uh, provincial health care. Uh, so um, we've had clients who've never visited a doctor. And the lack of health care you know, can really flow into other choices that young people make. For example, young people who choose not to join the soccer team at school because they're fearful of getting injured and not being able to see a doctor. Um, and some of our school boards here you have to put your health card number down if you want to go on a school field trip. Um, so students or young people saying, oh, I just won't go on the field trip because I don't want to have to put my number down that doesn't exist and I don't want to have to explain why I don't have one. Uh, the issue about post-secondary education is obviously on people's minds in terms of inability to access university or college. Um, and a big one is the inability to work legally. You know, so young people being able to support themselves um, to plan for their futures, And often our clients don't have any access to documents um, because of the circumstances that have led to them um, needing to regularize their status independently. And it can be really hard to get those documents from their country of origin.
0: Right. Sarah, with everything that you've told us then there, it seems like it gets more and more challenging for these children as they get older (laughs) and they've had no choice in coming here. So what what path do they have then? Like what happens to them when they do kind of become legally adults?
1: Well, most of the clients we see are young people, so in their teenage years. Um, So, and for many of them, they're only realising what lack of status means or that they don't have status, you know, in their sort of last couple of years of high school for various reasons when they start thinking about post-secondary or life after school. uh, And that's hopefully when they seek out legal assistance um, to sort of figure out what are my options. Uh, And it's you know, there are a couple of options, but they they aren't um, easy options at all. And, well, it was really one. Um, in Canada, under our Immigration Act, we do have a, a, a pathway called a humanitarian and compassionate application for permanent residents, which is a discretionary application. Um, and it's the people who can't, who don't fit into any of the other pathways. Um, And just to give some context, normally if somebody wants to apply for permanent residence, they're supposed to do that from outside Canada, get it all sorted and then arrive as a permanent residence. Um, But in this case, these young people have already built lives here and they're here. So they're asking for an exemption to be allowed to apply from inside based on humanitarian and compassionate um, grounds. And they're hard. These are comprehensive applications where you really are trying to help an immigration officer understand all of the circumstances of a young person's life and explain why it would be really hard for them to have right. to leave Canada. Um, they can also take months, if not years, to process. So um, during the pandemic, you know, up to 36 months to process. They're expensive. They have a lot of fees. And when you file your application, um, you're not protected from being removed or deported while it's being processed. So for lots of young people, the act of applying to regularise is really scary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really exacerbate their already existing vulnerabilities.
0: Um, Sarah, thank you for talking to us about it this morning. You're very welcome. Appreciate your time. That's Sarah Pohl, Director of the Childhood Arrivals Support and Advocacy Program at Justice for Youth and Children. Talking about the problem that undocumented children face in Canada. It's not just a United States problem. We have the problem here too.